Welcome to the Taylor and Jen podcast. Morning, Taylor and Jen. Why did a pillow smell like Brussels sprouts? Maybe it was an organic pillow. Life 107.1. Science thinks it knows you. Science. That's right. We I don't said, know. That's a little presumptive of science, don't you think? Science. This is, listen, Jen. Man, this is early on a Friday morning to be talking science, We're going to get smart, though, because there was an article on The Healthy. If it's called The Healthy? It's on The Healthy. Well, if it's called The Healthy, then. It's what the website is called, and it has collected all kinds of studies that have been done about the way people drink their coffee. Studies? And about coffee, they looked at the way people drank different kinds of coffee and different studies that have come out about what that coffee says about your psychology. You want to wake up. No, this is not a BuzzFeed quiz. This is real science. Man, I love those quizzes. Don't you love those quizzes? I love taking quizzes and 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 hearing what they find out about me. So here, here's what I'm thinking. Okay. Rather than just running through and telling you what the way you take your coffee says about you. I think you can call us. Okay. 515-327-1071. There you go. Tell us how you drink your coffee, and we will tell you who you are based on science. I, I love it. How do you take your coffee, Joe? Well, I like it really dark. You cannot see light through it when you hold it up. <laughs> but then you got to put enough half and half in it to uh, you know, make it drinkable. So. Okay, but not sweet. You just put half and half. No sweet. Yeah, no, no sugar, no sweetness. I would say this puts you in the category, uh, scientifically, the term for it is well-balanced. You are a well-balanced person, Joe. Oh, I can live with that. You yeah. can? My uh, buddies I go fishing with, they don't think so. They think that coffee is uh, terrible. They, <laughs> they pour water in it and thin it out. and. <laughs> In fact, they try to beat me to the coffee pot, so they make it, and then I sneak in and put more coffee in there. Sometimes we like science. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we don't, mostly when we don't understand it. But this morning, we understand because we love coffee, and this science is about coffee and you. It was a bunch of scientific studies on what your preference for coffee says about your personality. It does. And so we've just been diagnosing people according to science. How do you drink your coffee? I have to have candy coffee in the morning. Candy, candy coffee. coffee. Explain. That is what I call it. It's where you drink more creamer in your coffee than you drink coffee. Okay. <laughs> okay, science. Science did a study on people who drink extra sweet coffee. And it found that people like you are friendly. Oh, well, there you go. Are you friendly? <laughs> I am. I'm actually tracked down and actually kind of stalked a bank robber, but didn't know he was a bank robber. What? And I, yeah, I didn't know he was a bank robber and <laughs> had something to say. And it was nice words. And I was making a joke and he was walking away and I wanted him to hear me. Okay. You literally engaged with a person that was robbing a bank? Yeah. <laughs> well, he was No, he wasn't actively robbing oh, a bank. Oh, he wasn't time. in the process okay. of it. I didn't know until I got home and saw the news, so then I did call the police. <laughs> <laughs> My granddaughter was about 14, 15 at the time, and she said, Grandma, have you never heard of Stranger Danger? Coffee. Mm. 
See? That's that's the reaction. Coffee always gets a response like that. Got my thermos right over there. So when you see that there's a study about coffee, you're like, oh, gotta learn about it. Read about this. Well, this study says if you tell us how you drink your coffee, we'll tell you about you. Brad, how do you drink your coffee? Black and strong. Black and Black and strong. Well, Brad. Brad. According to science. This is going to hurt, Brad. Lots of, lots of hard-studied science. Um, they say you are antisocial. Well, I mean, if that gets people to leave me alone until I've had my coffee, I'm fine with that. <laughs> so you're saying the science is right on this one. I mean, I am an operator, so I'm in my cab all day, so I am kind of antisocial. Well, there you go. But you called us. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'll talk to anybody. Just not give them my coffee. Brad, if I was standing on the side of the cab and I said, dude, I really need that coffee. I need it right now. You wouldn't give it to me? Uh, probably not. <laughs> wow. You're out of luck, Jen. You'd have better luck taking it without asking. <laughs> it's just science, Jen. Mm-hmm. How many times have you said that to me? Can't we, help it. It's just science, it's, Jen. Listen, I, you know, science doesn't have feelings for <laughs> any of us. It just does its sciencey thing, mm-hmm. and we can only respond to it. Yep, and this science survey is about how you drink your coffee. If you tell us how you drink your coffee... We're going to tell you what science says about you. How are you drinking your coffee today, Dee? I'm drinking it hot and strong. So is it is it black? Is it black? You betcha. You betcha. Okay. All right. Got to be strong. Got to be strong. Well, well, otherwise it's tea. Oh, so, I hear yeah. You. Okay. So, strong and black, no creamer, no sugar. What does that say about Dee, Taylor? Yeah. I'm looking through my science spreadsheet and uh, science says you are antisocial. <laughs> That's I, too funny. That's, hey, that that's science. I, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. D, is that is that right? Do you think that that properly identifies you? Are you antisocial? No, my husband would just crack up if he heard that one. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, he always knows that we're going to be the last out of church, and yeah. Oh, that's too funny. I know you have, but have you ever had one of those days? <laughs> Where everything just seems hard. Mm-hmm. And I know 2020 has been like back to back days like this, but yeah. I was just having a day you yesterday. Oh, my word. Catch a break. I mean, anxiety on anxiety. And, and, and I, oh, I just couldn't get past that, that feeling of dread mm. in my chest. So many things, you know, the virus and the country. And I was thinking about my kids, raising kids and finances and the mm. future and all of this stuff, the holidays coming up. And I, it was just welling up inside of me. And, uh, it was around 2.20, like I said, and I was in my car going to run an errand. And I'm just sitting there and I am just, oh. and this black SUV was like right next to me. And, and I felt like it was too close. And I'm like, good grief. And I turned to look at the SUV and it pulled up just a little bit so that I could see the license plate. And it was a blackout license plate, and it said two words, but God. Hmm. I was sitting there, and I was fretting about everything, all of it, and God put a license plate right there that said, (laughs) but God, because he's got it all. And I looked at the license plate, and I looked up into the heaven, and I was like, I hear you. Mm. Thank you. 
And then I started to blubber all over the place. (laughs) I was just like, really, thank you so much. So if you have a black SUV and you have the license plate that says, but God, you helped me so much yesterday. (laughs) I'm so happy for you. That's really cool. I know. It was so cool. God talked to me through a license plate. Tiniest, most random piece of encouragement. (laughs) I did a little experiment last night. Not on purpose. Oh, naturally. (laughs) Trying to do too many things. I'm in the bathroom and I am just kind of basically fixing myself up Mm -hmm. because I have to go out to small group last night. And all of a sudden I was like, huh, what's that? And then all of a sudden, oh, I don't know, maybe five, six minutes before, just five or six minutes before walking into said bathroom Uh to fix myself up, I had put about two tablespoons of butter into a skillet on medium-high heat just to (laughs) melt. For five or six minutes? Yeah. Guess what that does to your house? Number one, it burns the butter. Number two, Mm. it doesn't do great things to the skillet. And number three, your house has kind of a smoky haze for quite a while as you're running around opening windows, screaming for your son. (laughs) Benjamin comes up the stairs with a fan. Mom, why did you set the house on fire? (laughs) Benjamin! Go stand under the smoke detectors and wave your arms. I don't want them to go don't off. Don't need it screaming. <laughs> you kind of go. And then those two words that come out of your mouth. Sometimes you don't know what. You don't even want to know the answer to them. What's burning? Well, when my kids were little, I was taking them to the babysitter to drop them off. I had three little ones in the back seat. And all of a sudden I said, what's burning? And I looked back and my youngest daughter had found a lighter and set her little brother's coat on fire. No! <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! What oh did you goodness. do? What do you do? I'm trying to drive and I'm trying to pat out this coat <laughs> and all the kids' eyes are like so big and then I finally got a chance to pull over and make sure the coat was out. They were freaking out. I was freaking out. And you drop them off at the sitter, and my son's coat's smoldering, and it's like, here you go. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go to work now, and I'm, I don't want to talk about it. So. <laughs> you have that moment after a really good family dinner. Oh, yeah? And you like it's really good food, and you just stuffed yourself, and you just kind of wheelbarrow yourself out into the living room. And like everybody's just kind of sitting on the couch what and just happened? sitting on the hearth and just uh, this pleasantly stuffed feeling. Uh-huh. We were in one of those. It, it was like Christmas time and uh-huh. it was me and my wife and my brother and his wife, my grandparents, my parents. Just a whole fam. Just relaxing around the living room. Oh. You know, back when you could put more than two people in a room and it was okay. Like a Hallmark Channel movie. And we were just sitting there and all of a sudden... My mother says, oh, no, is something burning? Oh, no. And so then all of us, all of us turn into like Toucan Sam trying to follow my nose. Hmm. Smells. It smells like someone's burning Brussels sprouts. And my mom goes, we didn't have Brussels sprouts tonight. 
So she gets up and she's poking around the kitchen. The oven's off. The the stovetops are off. There's nothing going on. And then finally, my father goes, oh, no. Oh, no, what? We had the uh, fireplace turned on. And there was a pillow that had gotten too close to the fireplace. Did you know burning pillows smell like burning Brussels sprouts? There was a pillow burning in the fireplace? He was sitting on it. (laughs) And the corner got just a little scorched. Your father was sitting on a burning pillow? And it smelled like Brussels sprouts. Why would a pillow smell like Brussels sprouts? Uh, Maybe it was an organic pillow. We have so enjoyed hearing your... What's burning stories and, uh, you know, it's more than just food. To understand this story, you really need to know my mom and she is a quintessential introvert, right? Okay. So I was pretty young. I was probably 13. I was at church and in between Sunday school and church, I'm walking into the auditorium and I smell a smell and, uh, you know, it, the smell of burning hair. Oh no. And I walk into the auditorium. It's Christmas time. And I walk in and there's this crowd of people around my mom. She was talking to somebody against the wall, and she had backed into the candle and had lit her hair on fire. Oh, no. All around her, fussing around her, like getting scissors to cut off the burned part. It was a mess. Your mother set her hair on fire at church. You know, we introverts, we're not really familiar with how to get attention, and sometimes, you know, when we need it, we do weird things. And this might have been it. Yeah. I, th- I think you're right. Yeah, every Christmas, and Christmas is coming, we make sure that she stays away from all the candles just in case. So the texts were flying fast between the two of us. I mean, choom, 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 <laughs> choom. And then when it was done, I was like, cool. That is my Thanksgiving Day menu. And that doesn't look like any Thanksgiving Day menu that I've ever had. Because this year, you got to think outside the box. You, do, you really do. I mean, there are the constraints that are there to begin with. Yep. And I think just to make Thanksgiving still feel special, you have to get a little creative sometimes. And I, and I wanted to do that. Mm-hmm. And, and I know you want to do that, too. Here's the thing. Had a big family Thanksgiving planned last year. Like mm-hmm. last year, as we were cleaning up the plates, my friend and I were like, we need to do this again next year. This mm. is going to be fantastic. And I'll have the kids and it'll be fun. And we'll play, we'll eat and we'll play games and all this other kind of stuff. And then the pandemic hit. Yep. And, um, you know, not comfortable doing the big family get together, combining families. And so that's not happening. So I was like, okay. I still want this to be a special day. Mm -hmm. I wonder if there's somebody else in my position. So I was chatting with another single mom friend of mine, and I said, what are you guys doing for Thanksgiving? She's like, well, I don't think anything. I said, now you are. There you go. She's going to be coming to my place. She's going to bring the sun, and we are going to have a Thanksgiving. Here's the thing. My daughter and she don't like turkey. Uh Uh-oh. And I said, well... We don't have to do turkey. It's not in the law. No, I mean, if we're going to be outside the box this Thanksgiving, let's do everything different. So we're not doing turkey. We're doing something else. And I don't even think we're going to do pumpkin pie. And guess what? It's okay. I don't know about the pumpkin pie thing. It'll still be Thanksgiving. I like that. I know. You think a little outside the box, and sometimes when you get outside of those like rote traditions, it becomes even more meaningful. I'm I'm looking forward to Thanksgiving. I am sad for what we can't have, Mm -hmm. but I am looking forward to what we will have. Well, it's true. 2020 is different Mm -hmm. the whole year, and that means that the holidays are going to look a little different, but... 
Sometimes thinking outside the box can be good. We have a tradition of making pumpkin pie. My husband does, and it's kind of his famous pie. Every Thanksgiving or Christmas, he always makes pumpkin pies with the grandkids. Mm. So our nine-year-old granddaughter said to us the other day, Papa, we still need to make pie. I think we could do it. You make pie at your house. I make pie at my house, and we will do them together. So we're going to do like a FaceTime or Mm -hmm. Zoom or something. We'll make pies here, and they'll make pies there. And she says, that way we'll get to be together. Feels like every marker we come to in 2020, we say in a surprise tone, it's not going to look like it did last year. Mm -hmm. And it's just everything's going to look different this year, including our holidays. But I think it's important to look outside the box and find ways to make them special. Still good. Yeah. Different, but good. And we, I mean, on top of 2020 being 2020, my wife, Lindsay, is starting her residency as a family medicine physician. His wife is a doctor. I'm super proud of her, but also that makes traveling a little tricky. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of our family isn't able to travel or isn't comfortable traveling. And so we were kind of staring down a Thanksgiving where it'd just be us hanging out in our house. Well, I wouldn't have allowed that to happen. I know, but we would have hung out with you. Right. But as we were talking to some friends... Um, who we've been friends with since college, and we've connected off and on. They're the sorts of friends that you can go five years without seeing them, sit down to dinner together, and it's like no time has passed. And we were talking to them about what was Thanksgiving looking like for us, and they said, that's kind of where we are, and we're pretty free to travel, and we feel pretty comfortable being in your bubble, so could we crash at your place for Thanksgiving? So we've got like old college friends coming to stay at our house with their new baby on Thanksgiving. And how excited are you? I'm so excited. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. But good. You're standing there. You're looking at the floor because you were chopping a vegetable and one of the slices rolled right off the cutting board. Oh, that little runaway piece of ingredient. And slap right there on the floor. Slap. It made a slapping sound. It landed face down. Well, what vegetable lands face down? A carrot. It landed on the flat side. Okay, so you hadn't cut one side already? What did we I mean I was it, cutting it into the little rings. Okay, but both sides are flat, Taylor. Yeah. It landed on one of the flat sides. <laughs> and it made a slapping sound. So you're staring down there at the carrot on the floor. Okay. And you know that you have a whole bag full of carrots. Right. Yeah, they're not that expensive. But there's this part in your head. That says, I don't want to waste that. Oh, oh no. I don't want to waste that. What did you do, Taylor? I was putting it in soup. Things were going to be boiled anyway. And the Louis Pasteur guy found that boiling kills germs. That's how we get our milk now. Good old Louis Pasteur. (laughs) So soup is pasteurized? I I think it pasteurized the carrot. So I just picked that carrot up off the floor and I threw it in the soup. You just admitted that. You just admitted that, that right here on live radio that you picked up food off the floor and you put it into a meal. But it was boiling. <laughs> That's That cleans it, right? That kills all the germs. I didn't think it was that radical. Really? I just... You picked it right up off the floor and you stuck it back in your soup that you were making. It was a five second rule. Just dropped a little slice of a carrot, picked it up, dropped it right back in the soup. I just don't know if I'm okay with that. What about you, Frank? I can top this guy any day of the week. Oh, oh okay. what do you do, Frank? <laughs> Tell you how it happened, Captain. We were in San Francisco living. I was probably in my early 20s, and my buddy and I were sharing a super burrito. 
we were pretty much down to the bottom. Oh, yeah. And so I just wrapped it up in the loose aluminum foil, and I tossed it out the window, you know, excuse me for littering. And we drove down to his mom's house to get some dessert, but they weren't home yet. And so he's like, man, grab that burrito out of the glove compartment. I'm like, there's no burrito in the glove compartment. I threw that out of the hill by your house. Frank. He's like, man, we can be eating that right now. <laughs> I'm like, just drive back up the street and go get it. And so we drove up the street, and I jumped out the car, and I grabbed it, and we opened it up, and it was still warm, and we commenced to eating it. <laughs> I, as far as that carrot goes, uh-uh. You no. got to rinse that off, buddy. Yeah! You no. can rinse it off at least. You you eat road burrito and you have a problem with a carrot off the floor? Oh, didn't go there. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I know about five second rules, but I'm with him. I think you should have at least rinsed it off. Rinsed it off. I gave it a little hand cleaning like a raccoon. <laughs> Just kind of have my, my little paws together. I, I was wish like, you could see him right now. If you could see him right now, he's like doing a raccoon. He's like, rub it off. It's like your little finger is in front of you. When I pick up a piece of food that has been on the ground, I usually hold it up to the I hold it up, to, hold it up to the light. I hold it up to the light <laughs> to see number one, if there's any hair mm. and stuff on it. And number two, I kinda hold it there for a second and I ask myself, does the frugality win out? Or does the fear of germs uh-huh. win out? You don't want to waste that food. Now all of that gets thrown out the window. At the Iowa State Fair. Oh, yeah. All of it gets thrown out the window at the Iowa State Fair. Because let's face it, the food at the Iowa State Fair, number one, is fantastic. Mm -hmm. Number two, it's expensive. Those are the two sliders, how good the food is and how expensive it is. (laughs) So this one time, I'm at the Iowa State Fair. One time. One Mm -hmm. time I did this. I've only done this one time. In all of the years and in all the times that I go to the Iowa State Fair, one time. Yep. I walked myself right up to that little kiosk that sells the fried Oreos on a stick. Oh, yeah. And I got myself an order of fried Oreos. Oh, yeah. And I turned from the little booth thingy, and I was so excited that I turned a little bit too enthusiastically, and boop, boop, boop. All three? No, no, just one. Okay. It just took three bounces. Oh, okay. One of my deep fried Oreos ended up on the ground. Not even the sidewalk, the ground the on ground, the, ground. Side of the oh! sidewalk. And I'm looking at this deep fried Oreo that probably cost me a couple bucks, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm thinking to myself, self, <laughs> at least you eat about a pound of dirt every year, right? I think, I'm, I yeah. think I've heard that somewhere. Surely. Americans eat at least a pound of dirt every year. We swallow spiders in our sleep, apparently. This is going to be some of the best dirt ever. <laughs> even blow it off. I just took a big bite. It doesn't matter until it matters. <laughs> Learning how important that five second rule is. Well, I, I mean, you and I were both raised by frugal women. Oh, yeah. You don't waste food. But then the laws of science say if it's been on the floor, maybe you should consider not eating it. But Desiree <laughs> is a brave woman. I was preparing some T-bone steaks. And our two-year-old dog decided to jump up onto the counter while my back was turned and snag one of those T-bone steaks oh, while they were no. uncooked. Oh, boy. Oh, no. Um, and when I turned around, she thought she would try to take off. And I said, stop. <laughs> 
and she looked at me with the puppy eyes. With oh, no. hanging out of her mouth. <laughs> and I said, no, drop it. And she did. Oh, that's and a good I quickly dog. picked it up. And I figured, you know, you're, you're going to cook it. So even though it was in the dog's mouth, yeah. you're still getting rid of anything that was on the, the yeah. steak. I've heard dogs' mouths are very sanitary. Right. Just because it was in the dog's mouth, it still hit the floor. So it might have been a little bit longer than five-second rules. But I cooked it, and I served it to my husband. He had no clue. <laughs> he loved it. Dr. Heidi, I was actually recently in a play uh-huh. where we talked a lot about mental health. Opening line of the play was, my friend asked me if being depressed meant that I was sad all the time. Mm. And Oof. of course, that is not what depression is, but it's what a lot of people think that it is. It is. And they think that, oh, just do something fun. Right. Or- yeah. Do something to make yourself happy and then yeah. you won't be depressed anymore. Exactly. And depression is so much more than that. And it's hard because depression really just describes the symptoms that someone's feeling, it does not tell us what's going on. Mm. And we know as believers that the fall has affected us in every area. So depression can be psychological. It can be biological. It can be because of relationships. It can be because of environmental stressors, or it can be a combination of these things. Mm. But what we know is that depression is hard. Mm -hmm. Um, It affects our ability to see and feel truth. We maybe know truth in our head, but it's really hard to feel those truths. I talk with people all the time. I know that in my head, but I don't feel it. And yes. what I get yeah. to say back then is that I know you don't. Right. That's because you have depression. When you recognize that those feelings are coming from a place of struggle and from a place of brokenness, then all of a sudden you don't have to base your reality on them. You can recognize that they're information that you have depression, but they don't mean that you're struggling spiritually. They don't necessarily mean that you're far from God. We know the truth is is that God is right next to us. It does not feel that way when you have depression. So you have this barrier to feeling the truth. I heard somebody describe it like he was in a space suit and everybody's trying to hug him and he can't feel it. Exactly. Or you're walking through wet cement. You want to get things done. You're trying, but it just takes so much effort. So what do we do? There's so much hope. So much hope for depression. We know depression responds well to medication. Mm-hmm. Okay, We know depression responds well to therapy and to getting support. And we know depression responds well to engaging with your community and getting people who actually get it, who don't just tell you to find something fun to who say, no, I get that this is hard and I'm willing to walk with you through this. So find your team, find your people and ask for help because there is always hope, even when it doesn't feel like it. I mean, they're out there. Mm-hmm. They're streaming on demand. They're pretty much everywhere. They're on my DVDs. Just asking to give you tidings of comfort and joy. <laughs> it's time, isn't it? Isn't it? Is it time to watch Christmas movies? No, but I'm about ready to turn on Christmas music. Oh, there we go. Yeah, I was just saying it's the commercials are starting to get Christmas themed and I'm excited for it. So yeah. when do you start watching Christmas movies, Frank? I think the Christmas movies are saved for December, but the Christmas music starts November 1st. <laughs> Oh, you've got it. You've got it planned it. out. He's I like got it. it on a calendar, man. <laughs> there is a legit concern here that if you start watching Christmas movies this early, you're going to get tired of them before Christmas. <laughs> no, that was a good joke, Jen. <laughs> I know. I was really worried. I mean, I have started watching Christmas movies, oh. but I'm kind of worried. I'm like, okay. Am I going to get tired of them before then? Or am I going to run out of them before then? (laughs) 
<laughs> Monica, have you started watching Christmas movies yet? What do you mean started? They never ended. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. Monica, you have to look pretty hard to find Christmas movies in, like, April. Oh, no, because you just DVR them, and you just watch them all the time. Okay. I mean, you know, you just keep them on the DVR, and then, you know, when you need a little pick-me-up, then you just watch one. Okay, so, Monica, are they, like, the classics, or are they, like, the really, really bad stuff? I had one this weekend. My husband actually was watching it, and it is probably the best one I've seen on Hallmark, and it was called, like, a royal... Holiday, or I don't know, something like that. It was the best one I've seen so far, and it just really made my beginning of the season, I guess you could say, though. Perfect. <laughs> when you say it was the best one, do you also mean it was the worst one? Kind of, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the way it made you feel was the best. Exactly. That's what matters. Well, America has spoken. Yeah. Well, so far, I've... I've few Americans, I'm assuming, have called us this morning to tell us that they are watching Christmas movies. I mean, overwhelmingly, we Mm -hmm. are hearing that you are watching Christmas movies already, and the schmaltzier, the better. What about you, Kelly? You started watching Christmas movies yet? No, I'm not watching movies. I'm still praying for sunshine and like 90 degrees. Oh, Oh, really? Uh-huh. So you You're need to watch, really... like, the Australian Christmas movies. Yeah, exactly. They're all set in the summer. Honestly, we have resorted to watching the Weather Channel at our house over <laughs> and over. I mean, I know Jim Cantori and every person on there because it's <laughs> the only thing that has been fairly stable and non-threatening and not uh, all of it. So I know all of the characters on the Weather Channel. Center. I'm going to bring it up to my husband. Hey, I'm flipping the channel and I'm just going to say pass the salt and pepper and hope nobody comments. This has been the Taylor and Jen podcast. You can hear more from Taylor and Jen weekday mornings online at life1071.com or on the Life 107.1 app.